the grower, Canada's go-to horticulture news source for the latest industry information from policy to weather, innovation and pests. We're picking up the phone and calling farmers to discuss it all. This is Amanda Broadhagen and I'm your host. Today we're calling up Sue Ann staff to get a behind the scenes perspective based on our January cover story called As the Grape Industry Naturally Ages, Future Trends Emerge, which can be found online at thegrower.org under the print issue tab on our website. This podcast series is proudly sponsored by BSF Canada. Hello, Sue Ann staff at Say Winery. Sue Ann speaking. Hi, it's Amanda here from The Grower Calling. Thanks for agreeing to join us for our podcast. Hi, Amanda. How are you today? Good. <laughs> I'm a big fan of yours. Oh, you're a star. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we just have a few questions for you. You know, you're an award-winning winemaker at Sue Ann staff State Winery in Jordan, Ontario. And I understand that you're just home from participating in the Ontario Premier's trade mission to China. Tell us, why did the Fancy Farm Girl go to China? Right, well, it's just part of the evolution of the business that I'm at a point now that I'm able to explore new markets and the winery is growing. It's a a bit of reality as well that the wineries are expensive endeavors and to to have to make it fly, I better keep on expanding and keep on growing. That the amount of capital that it takes, the running costs, the operating costs, the increase of labor costs coming up, you know what, I better get ahead of this and uh, look for some new opportunities and new markets. The the trade mission to China was, was pretty cool. It came up out of nowhere, really, and really didn't have a lot of time to prepare for it. It went to China and Vietnam, but China was the focus and strongest organized part of the trip. Omafra was highly involved in it. Agri-food was one of the chosen and highly represented sectors on the mission. And so was the town of Lincoln. The town of Lincoln sent five delegates. And uh, so it was fun to have really strong support both from Omafra and from my local town of Lincoln to support my endeavors there. I think a lot of Canadians view ice wine as a special treat. So I'm curious to know what the potential is for ice wine in China and like you said, when you were on your trade mission, the, the focus was on, on China and potential there. Right. So the Chinese have had a love affair for for ice wine, and it's probably one of the claims to fame and why ice wine has become so popular is because of its, the way it resonates in the Orient. So the new opportunities as well as with the growing middle class in China, with so many people moving from the country to the city, so many new things to learn about, and so they have money to spend. Um, they don't have a lot of places to spend it because a lot of times they, um, their housing and their transportation costs are kind of locked in, so they have decent incomes, not a, not a high expense account, um, and so yeah, they have money to spend on interesting new things to them. So NDS International is revolutionary to them, it's, and that has such a really strong brand as well. They see anything Canadian and Ontario as being high quality, well-made, authentic, it has pedigree and so and traceability, especially with the way wine has all of our wines are approved through the Vintners Quality Alliance, uh, the Appalachian program that that is endorsed by the province of Ontario. So we have a lot of things going for us. When they look at ice wine, it's something that they're really proud of. It's a very prestigious gift, and gift getting is very important to the Chinese culture. It's also something that they like. 
really wine isn't part of their their history. Wine isn't part of their typical diet. Beer is very important. Uh, spirits are very important, but wine is something new. And so, I, and, and then ice wine being sweet as well. So they like to try new things. They like sweet ice wine, and they like really good quality red wine. So, so somewhere there, hopefully, I can find my way to kind of wedge through and find some sales. Thanks for that that overview. What would you say are some of the biggest obstacles to selling ice wine in China and how do you plan to follow up as you say, you know, with your personal business plan? Yeah, there's a few obstacles. One is, you know, kind of going back to the last question of, you know, of education. People really don't know wine, they don't know ice wine. Um, they're just learning about it. So not only do I have to convince them to buy it. I also have to educate people how to enjoy it. And so just the simple things that we know about wine, uh, you know, a white you chill, a red you don't. You don't use ice. If you want to be my friend, you don't use ice anyway in your wine. Um, <laughs> you, you don't mix it with uh, ginger ale or Coke. Like the, like the very simple things that we just take for granted and we just know are all new to them. So that level of education about, about how to enjoy the wine has to start right from the beginning. And then what to enjoy it with as well. A couple of the things that are challenging, obviously the distance, that um, you know I just can't make a, a quick sales trip over and uh, spend two days and come back. It really, it does beat you up. And I found this trip, I wasn't quite as beaten up with some of those new uh, 787 jets. I did come off the jet feeling pretty refreshed. Um, so, but the distance is still a challenge. It's a 14 hour flight to Shanghai and that you just don't do every day. And then, of course, the language. Yes, a lot of people do speak English, but uh, really, once you go on the the top dog at a at a buyer or an agency or importer, everybody else in the business does not speak English. To make sure there's no miscommunication, everything you is going to have to be translated, and uh, that's just going to build more time in between each bit of communication that goes back and forth. So, so to follow up, well, my first my first goal is to find a really good a really good uh, translator to. Uh, get a lot of my materials translated into Mandarin, so that will come with quite a substantial cost with it as well. Make sure it's you know perfect before the translator sees it. Um, and luckily, I met a fantastic uh, translator while I was away in China, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then also follow up with trips to, to China to back up this, this visit. The Chinese and the Vietnamese are very... Um, they're very, they, re- they really want FaceTime. They want your feet on their concrete. And that's the only way to show that you're serious about supporting their market is to be there. So doing, doing FaceTime or Skyping, eh, that's good a little bit, but uh, you really need to be in the market. Of course. Four trips. <laughs> <laughs> like you alluded to in your comment, this wasn't your first trip to China. So when you look back on your most recent trip, what was the defining moment for you? Did you have that aha moment of a greater understanding of the culture or how you might compete in this huge market? Mm-hmm. So yes, I've been to China and Taiwan and Hong Kong before, but never while representing my own brand. It was always either representing other wineries I worked for or representing the Canadian wine industry as a whole, uh, teaching the media about authentic, the difference between authentic and fraudulent ice wines. One of my aha moments was, uh, it really had been uh, 13, 12, 13 years since my last visit. Uh, so one of them was a bit depressing in some ways because I thought, you know what, not a lot has changed as far as our ability to weed out the um, 
the fraudulent ice wine. So that problem still exists. It still comes with um, a little bit of trepidation on the buyer's behalf, to, and, and, and they're being extra vigilant to make sure that what they are buying is a true, authentic ice wine. And luckily, well, not luckily, but that was you know one of the things that I hammered in on all the time is that my ice wine is, is authentic. There's no fear factor here at all. Um, but what it also showed me was how enormous absolutely enormous the market is that with the influx of people to the cities, with the amount of growth that each city has endured, um, cities that weren't even on the radar screen or didn't even exist 12 years ago are now cities of uh, 20 or 37 million. Shenzhen, just outside of uh, Hong Kong. Before I left, I'm like, Shenzhen, like, where the, where the heck is that anyway? And really, when I was there, last there 14 years ago, it was, it was a, you know, it was a cow path. And now it's a full metropolitan city with everything to go with it, with shipping containers and subways and hydro and, and high-rises, 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 and a financial district that's just off the chart fantastic. It makes you feel like you're in Times Square. It just shows how much has, has changed and um, how much how much work there is to do. My last visit, right, to this one was 13 years in between, and there's been a lot of change, a lot of change. So just so much more development, so much, so many more people, the, the middle class growing so much, and people really hungry and thirsty for new experiences, new endeavors, new food, new wine, new fashion, new culture. So it's a, it's exciting, it's a very exciting time. The Canadian wine industry is is at a, a pivotal juncture, at least some would argue that. You know, there's more co- consolidation, more competition than ever before. How important is the Chinese market to your own company's future, or do you plan for more growth in the domestic market now? I know you did kind of allude uh, to the increase incredible opportunity in China because it's such a huge market. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that a little more. Right. Well, it, it, it kind of comes at a bit of a default as well that when I look at how do I grow my market here in Ontario, it is really challenging that on the on the um, on the production end, uh, with the passing of Bill 148, I have so many, my labor bills are going to go up, my, um, and other labor-related issues, energy prices are going up, uh, land, use pol- land use policies are coming out of nowhere and are getting more restrictive and, and just coming like, sometimes without a lot of input. So from that end, I don't see a lot of, uh, I don't see a lot changing. On the market end, domestically, the LCBO manages my market, and so you know, the LCBO does some things really fantastic, but growing a brand in the LCBO is a very, very long, slow process, and um, and is not really completely consistent. You'll have one or two good years, and then something happens, and um, you know you don't get the next purchase order. So, <laughs> so I need to um, brother opportunities. So, um, the Fancy Farm Grow brand really resonates well in Ontario. It resonates well in Western Canada. So, it resonates well in Western Canada as well. But. I really need to look for other opportunities. I want this business to grow. I want this farm to grow. I want sustainability for it. I want sustenance to it for the next generation. And the Chinese market, the Vivi's market, um, Singapore, Taiwan are where I need to be looking at to, uh, to, to build the brand farther and bigger. Well, Sue Ann, I thank you so much for taking the time to join our podcast today. Um, how can people stay in touch with you? Yeah, so please keep in touch. Uh, the best ways to keep in touch with me are on Facebook. You can either do it personally to Sue Ann Staff or the Winery uh, website or Winery um, Facebook page, which is Sue Ann Staff Estate Winery. On uh, Twitter, you can find us at, um, at Sue Ann Staff or at Fancy Farm Girl, and there's an underscore between Fancy and, uh, and Farm Girl. So 
check us out there. We're also on Instagram. So somewhere, somewhere, just type in Sue and Steph and something interesting should pop up with luck. So I got to follow you on Instagram too and uh, tag you in a story when I'm drinking your wine. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I look to I look forward to uh, to meeting you someday and also anyone listening to uh, pop in someday. I'm open every day from 10 until 6 and on Sundays from 11 until 5 and um, lots of lovely wines uh, for you and all your loved ones. Wonderful. Well, thanks. thank you once again. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Be well. That concludes our podcast segment. Please go back to Twitter and give us a retweet. And don't be shy. Give us a rating on iTunes. It helps us grow our audience. A new podcast will be released every other Thursday.